What is going on, everybody? This is Trey Wynn. I am your co-host here. I'm alongside of Ball Ali, and welcome into a brand new episode of Tighten Up Talk. This is a presentation of Chat 10 Sports, and we're talking all things Tennessee Titans for all those who bleed two-tone blue. Man, what a month, three weeks, two weeks it's been for the Tennessee Titans. They've squeezed out a couple wins against the Bucks and the Chargers. Um, and this weekend, obviously, they lost to the Carolina Panthers by 10 um, in Carolina. But um, a lot a lot of stuff to talk about here. We've got problems everywhere. Talking about a quarterback change in the last month. The, the debate is at an all-time high, it seems like, on Twitter as far as who is who's at fault there. Um, offensive coordinator, head coaching. Got a kicker who can't make kicks again. Um, but plenty of, uh, of stuff to talk about as far as what happened this last weekend. And we'll also get ready for the Chiefs coming to Nashville this upcoming Sunday. But in case you're new to us, check us out at chat10sports.com. Find all of our social media links, our podcast feeds, and our articles there as well. Come be a part of the uh, community here with us. But make sure, lock it in, and we hope you enjoy the podcast. Um, yeah, welcome in, everybody. Uh, brand new episode of Tighten Up Talk. I've got Ballin' Ali here. man. Ballin'! Ballin yeah, he's back, man. Um, I'm actually, I'm going to be honest, because yesterday, I know you texted me um, prior to the game, and you said, what are you thinking? And I, I knew what I was thinking. I was fully expecting us to get beat yesterday, and I didn't want to reply because I didn't want to be like the Debbie Downer. But... Um, for all those who listen and follow me on Twitter, that's exactly why I was kind of being sarcastic throughout the game. I was like, I just, you just kind of sense it and feel it coming in this week. And we'll talk about the Chiefs later, but I'm fully expecting like a complete rebound and a Patriots slash Dallas type game from last year where we just go out and click on all cylinders and, and so on and so forth. But what did you think about yesterday, even before the game, kind of during and then after the game, Bone? Um, I mean, before the game, I had mixed emotions. Um, I was like, yeah, I mean, Kyle Allen, after how he played, um, we pretty much needed to shut down one player, one right. player. And it was like, yeah, I feel good about this game. And then all of a sudden during the game, you just sensed it. Like my yeah. dad said, my dad said it correctly. He's like, Lux on Carolina's side. There's no way Tennessee's going to win this after the first quarter. Right. I was like, pops, we got plenty of time, but he sensed it. Um, but it just seemed from the start to the end, we could not stop McCaffrey. And mm. it just seemed after luck was on their side. And then especially that fake punt, when they converted it, I was like, yeah, we lost this game. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know um, from the beginning, obviously everyone's been talking about how, you know, the Chief, or the excuse me, I'm thinking Chiefs, the Panthers had uh, one of the worst running defenses uh, in the league. And here we are yet again for two straight weeks attacking a defense um, and their strength and trying to pass the ball like we did last week. We tried to run the ball in the Bucks and lost or uh, barely, barely won um, on a lucky, very lucky call. Um, but it was one of those things to me. I, I knew from the beginning, obviously, we were you know, people were tweeting back and forth like, where is Derrick Henry and why is he not getting touches? Um, had two touches in the first half, had a total of 13 carries, which everyone knows who's a Titans fan. He needs to be in the 15, maybe 20 range. I know he's he's been averaging, you know, a pretty good amount of, of touches. But um, I knew from the very first half, like, you know, like you're saying, you, you get that sense of, like, luck is on their side. Um, but here we are another week of Arthur Smith, bad play calling, uh, just does not make sense. Deion, you know, Deion Lewis is still getting touches. 
Um, and, and like, you know, I, even today, for all those who did not hear it, I know Mike Vrabel talked about, you know, we saw a look and we wanted to run with it. And I'm thinking this is exactly why Terry Rubisky and, and Mike Malarkey got fired because they were trying to enforce their will on a team that is obviously better um, with what they'll stack the box, you know, so on. And, and, and why are we running the ball um, or why are we passing the ball in these situations? That's exactly why the change was made. So absolutely. It, it I, just, it just blows my mind when you're looking at these stats, a 35 place for Dion Lewis. Come yeah. on, man. We could like Derek Henry, like look what he did in a screenplay, like we'll screen game. He needs to be getting touches way more than Dion Lewis needs to be. Like it makes yeah. no sense at all. But um, I was scrolling Twitter just now. Mike Herndon did have a really good comment. Like, do you think Arthur Smith might have mixed up his game plans for <laughs> Carolina in Tampa Bay? Because, hey, Tampa Bay had the best run defense. And what did we do? We ran the ball. Carolina right. doesn't have a good pass, uh, doesn't have a good run defense. Well, we do throw the ball. Yeah. Like, no, I'm it's... really confused on Arthur Smith's game plans. Like, it's mind blowing. It, it is, and it's one of those things to me. Like, obviously, a part of me is not surprised because he is a rookie OC. He worked his way up from what, like, an offensive analyst. Yeah, he did. And, you know, and, and we all respect him and love him for that. But, I, like, I jokingly said before, I think he peaked whenever he went on busting with the boys because it's been, <laughs> it's been you know, I, and here's my thing, too. And I know there's a huge, there's a huge divide right now with Marcus Mariota fans and, and Titans fans and Tannehill fans and, for the record, in Bong, you're—I think you—you've been. We've both had foots in both camps at different times. Absolutely, all we did. Into Marcus Mariota, we, we all did. wanted him to work, but this entire offense and this entire team has been structured to make him work. Obviously, if you had told either one of us or even those listening um, that nine games into the season, Marcus Mariota has been benched for three weeks. And Ryan Tannehill's our starter, and he's been pretty good. Throwing up 331 yards, obviously had two picks. One of those was on A.J. Brown. Um, but this entire offense is predicated on trying to make Marcus work in his final year. Absolutely. Um, the storyline is changing. But to me, I'm a, a part of me is surprised because it's like, well, what did Vrabel and John Robinson see in Arthur Smith to give him the go-ahead as the O.C.? Because, you know, I know there's been talk about trying to, you know, keep LaFleur's, you know, kind of flavor to the offense and Malarkey's, you know, input on, on the on the offense. But it's not working. And, it, and what the reason it's not working is it just does not make a lick of damn sense. So let's talk about this. I know you've been itching to talk about this. For weeks now, people have been talking about fire this guy, fire that guy. Um, you know, offensive you line's know been terrible. But you, you go ahead and take it. I know you wanted to ask me some things in particular. You know, the first person I want gone. And that is not even just about this year. It goes back to last season. Mm-hmm. Keith Carter, Keith Carter, in my personal opinion, should definitely not be the offensive line coach. Right. Um, I'm just. Which we develop- have talked about. Just for everyone We have in, previ- in previous spots. We definitely have. Yeah. So, Trey, what do you think? Is it time to get the, is Keith Carter, is it time to get Keith Carter out of there? Um, as the first, um, Escape boat. Uh, uh, what's going of the off, what's going on with the offense? That you had me, you had me with my my answer ready. Then you said scapegoat. I don't think anybody on the offensive side of the ball, as far as coaching staff, is a scapegoat because some of them are just flat out bad. And I, I'm at the point yesterday watching it because you know 
if you if you look at that very first drive of the third half or the third quarter, I'm sorry, second half, they give the ball to Henry every touch, and he runs the ball all the mm-hmm. way down the field, almost what mm-hmm. 75, 80, 80 yards, mm-hmm. um, and does it in a convincing fashion. Now, part of me, if we if we had kept that up, or even if we had started the game with that type of, of game plan, just run it down their throats. They obviously could not start it. I don't know why we got away from it, and I don't know why Deion Lewis even had touches after that that drive. Absolutely. Um, I'm I'm going to skip Keith Carter and go directly for Art Smith because I, I okay Keith Carter's had kind of a shuffled deck. Obviously, John Robinson has brought in two guys from the draft with Nate Davis and from free agency with Roger Saffold. Neither one of them are working. Um, I get, you know, Ben Jones, obviously everyone's been saying, well, Ben Jones is nothing. And all of a sudden he has a concussion. He's out one week and then everyone's saying, oh God, we're going to lose without Ben Jones. Absolutely. And yesterday was a huge, I mean, there was a huge gap up front. I'm sure with coverage calls um, because Ben Jones obviously has been playing for, I don't know how many years, probably a decade between the Texans and now with the Titans. But um, I would imagine, and here's my thing about firing anybody. I don't believe the Titans believe that they're done. I think a lot of fans are out. Um, but I think for what it's worth, I know Vrabel talked about how Art Smith and a lot of meetings last year with, with LaFleur had good ideas as far as game plans. Um, it comes out today that, that Vrabel has been a part of the um, process in making game plans for, for the offense. It doesn't make a lick of sense to me, but I think Art Smith has already – run his course. Um, this team has too much talent, and I still believe, like, obviously, people have been talking about this too, and I don't mean to be long-winded, so forgive me, but Mark, Mike Malarkey has seemed to have done more with less talent, and here we are with a better team, and this team is still the exact same. It's This is a Mike Vrabel team still. Like, let's just call it for what it is, but that's where I would start. I mean, Art Smith, um, I don't know if they demote him, make him offensive line coach since he's played offensive line and let Pat, Pat O'Hara call plays, but Yes, I mean, I think there needs to be significant changes in accountability for what for what we've had the last what I mean. There's been three to four games now that game planning or miss kicks or whatever it is has been has been the, the determining factor in the outcome of games. Where do you stand, and who needs to? You, you said you said uh, uh, Keith Carter already, but where do you stand with Arthur Smith? Um, Arthur, I mean, the thing is with Arthur Smith, I'm not getting rid of him in the middle of the season. Um, I know his play calling has been pretty bad, but there's like we had mentioned this a couple of uh pods ago. He, uh, I don't know if we did mention this or not, but um, regarding Arthur Smith, he's not the one that's executing the place. Um, so right. it's you sound it's, like me, man. <laughs> yeah, he's not, he's not the one that's executing the place. I've like changed over on that. Um, yeah. it just it's you got to give more time to, for the guy to develop into the position that he's in. Um, I mean, I would get, give him the rest of the year. Um, if we don't see vast improvements from the offense as a whole, that's when I definitely would consider making changes. Um, yeah. um, that's, that's when it comes to Arthur. But when it comes to the position coaches, I definitely, definitely, definitely – you know how I feel. I'm sure the listeners that we have that have listened to our previous spots know how I totally feel about Keith Carter. Keith right. Carter, and I'll explain this. For example, when it comes to – look how bad that O-line looked when it came to pass defense. Yeah. Pass offense. Like, pass protection, they're horrible. But run – run when they're running a uh, run play, 
Look how great they look. The first yeah. drive of the second half is an example of that. It's just mm. the inconsistency that they're performing on the O line is an issue. Because if they if they're consistent how if they play how they play when they're running the ball and they put that same effort into when they're passing the ball, this O line looks a lot better. Yeah. But the inconsistency of the O line group that that goes to coaching. I'm sorry. Like the ski, the, what they're getting taught in practice and what they're getting taught in camp, that goes back to coaching. And Vrabel didn't co- play O line, so this doesn't go back to Vrabel. It's Keith Carter. Keith Carter's resume does not show that he's a good. He is set up to being a good O line coach in this league. I'm sorry, that's yeah. that's the number one guy I get rid of, honestly. So you start there. Now I wanted to throw out some PFF grades. I know John Glennon. Um, you can find it on Twitter at, at Glennon Sports throughout the pro football focus grades for the offensive side of the ball and the defensive. On the offensive side, Henry had a 76.8, Tannehill 73.5, Humphrey 68.4, Taylor Lewan at 67.7, and A.J. Brown at 66.1. Now there's one name that we've talked about on this list that, that we've gone back and forth on, um, and it's the self-proclaimed dad of Nashville who I'm – it's funny because I feel like you and I are almost switching stories a little bit as far as, you know, execution versus firing guys and who's accountable for that. I've gone to the other side where I'm saying fire some folks. You're kind of pointing to the execution side. I think we're on the same page with Taylor Lewan now. Yeah. Um, I know in past pods we've talked about, you know, you know the, the whole PED conversation, and no one's really talking about this, no radio station, no, you know, whoever, whatever. No one's talking about how the, the lingering question in everybody's mind, maybe in the back corner of everybody's mind, is how long has Lawan been on PEDs? Because this player we are seeing for the last, what, nine weeks, or excuse me, five weeks since he was at the four, first four, four games of the year, is a, he looks very, very different. Um, Absolutely. Sunday, and- you know, obviously yesterday we saw um, – his one, you know, face mask because he got beat on a pass rush, and I think he was holding uh, on the other, but negated a what twelve yard, you know, Derrick yep. Henry run or maybe a twenty yard run. Um, but where are you at with Taylor Lewan, and what needs to happen there? Um, where am I with Taylor Lewan? I mentioned this as right before he came back from the pod. Uh, right, right before he came back from suspension, that this was my fear where we weren't going to get the same Taylor Lewan back. Yeah. Um. I. I. As. And I remember those pods where you were like, "Ball in, let's give it a couple of games. Let's <laughs> give it a couple of games." Where what? Four weeks in to him being back. Four, five. Five weeks in. Yeah. And Taylor Lewan, it is not worth being the second highest paid left tackle in the game. I'm sorry. Right. It clearly, clearly shows. I, I'm honestly questioning now. Like Bernard Pollard might have been right about him. Like he might have been taking steroids his whole time because right. after he's been out off of PEDs, it's been a different table of one. They like the no name guys are beating this man. Like, right. as much as we saw at first hands yesterday, it's dude. Like you're supposed to be good at cover. Like. You're supposed to shut down your left tackle. You're not supposed to be making these boneheaded plays. And look what happened. That's yeah. It's just like, come on, man. Uh, so I mean, Taylor one man, he needs to put that same energy that he put into those podcasts onto the field and motivate yeah. his players around him. Like he he went around and admitted it himself that he needs to bring 
better energy and motivate the guys around him as a leader. But man, like, dude, you're you're one of the leaders of this team. Like, you're not showing up. Like, what do you expect? And I mean, yeah, that's where I stand on him. What about you, Trey? Yeah, I hate to even think like Bernard Pollard was right because I think it was for one, like regardless of what he said, I think the times of what he said. Yeah, I mean, it was at the time, but here we are now. Like, um, what does he have? A sixty-seven point seven, and I know he's he's been better progressively since he has come back. Um, but yeah, like you mentioned this week, I mean, they're really. I don't, I don't show. I'm going to look up the the stat line here. As far as sacks, I know Eric Reed, Shaq Thompson, both had, had sacks on Terry Poe. Um, Marcus Haynes, I don't know he, who he lined up with one-on-one, but he was getting – I mean, if, if, if anyone watches the All-22 or even just, you know, the recaps of games, like on a condensed version, like, yeah, what is it, Game Pass from NFL yeah. Network, um, you can see Lawan consistently, his footwork is, is a, a step behind, so he's getting beat on pass rushes. I mean, last week, uh, Shaq Barrett, or uh, if, I'm, if I'm remembering his name correctly – Obviously, the very first play, it was offsides. They didn't call him, but they, they're they figuring out Tannehill's cadence, which yep. is a concern because it looks like Lawan and Conklin are both a step off. Um, and I don't know if they need to mix that up to help those guys out. I'm sure they'll, they – I'm hoping they will address it since that's the logical thing to happen. But but for Lawan, I mean, to be honest, I, I tweeted something out today at the midday 180. Just I know they were talking about him. It's an easy target for him to be, and like you mentioned – He's usually that energy guy, and he just seems like yesterday afternoon in that press conference. I mean, guys were asking. He's just like, you know, I don't, I don't know what we do. I don't know where we go. Um, you know, I'm sure Titans fans are frustrated. I mean, hell yes, we're frustrated. And this is a guy, and I, I, you know this, uh, Ballin, but coming up for two, two and a half hours to see these games, and and you know, taking time yeah, away from family here, it's like. I, I'm, I'm obviously I'm coming this week, so I'm you know if it if it goes south, I get to watch Mahomes and and all his guys do their thing. But at the same time, I'm committed to this team, and I've been committed to this team for a hell probably longer than I want to admit. Um, but something has to change, and I don't know if it's I mean guys with Kevin Byard in a non coaches you know players only meeting. Um, but this is this has been the same eight and eight, nine and seven type of stuff where it, it, it's almost to me, and I, and I tweeted this yesterday during, or maybe after the game, it's almost harder to be this kind of a fan of a team that's nine and seven because one week they do enough to get your hopes up and the next they just break your heart and it happens four or five times a, a year Absolutely. versus it being like a, a Browns or a Dolphins where they're just consistently bad and it's almost a joke um, or a Patriots, you know, they're so great and all that, but it's just one of those things, figure out who you are and bring it on Sunday, and let's do the damn thing. Because I'm honestly, it's 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 my my loyalty's undying, but my frustration level is probably at an all time high in the last three years. Man, I am a thousand percent with you on this, man. Like the frustration level, and then just the, I mean, the loyalty's not going anywhere. I mean, I won't root on another NFL team, but man, these. This inconsistency is just mind blowing. They mm-hmm. give you hope one week, and then two weeks later, you're like, "Man, this just back in the season." And the most Titans thing happens the week after, and they all beat a really good <coughs> team. It's just like, 
where is this team? Like, and I mean, it goes back to Mike Munchak days ever since Fisher. I mean, it honestly goes back to Fisher days where the <laughs> inconsistency of this franchise is just mind blowing. I'd rather beat the Browns and just be crappy every year instead yeah. of like being, oh, 87, 97, we're just one game away, one game yeah. away from the playoffs. Like, come on, man. Like, like you're, I mean, as much as like as a season ticket holder, they got our hopes up so high this past offseason. Uh, I, we're, we're, we I were bought one it to more. good to great. I did too. Sure Solely. did. Sure did. But as some of you Tennessee fans know, good to great is very similar to brick by brick. Yeah. And the guy that created brick by brick, where is he at now? Is he yeah. in the state of Tennessee anymore? And I feel like Mike Vrabel might be right behind him. Yeah. My my thing is, and obviously yesterday, the injuries are starting to stack up. Obviously yesterday, um, Malcolm Butler had to have his wrist kind of stabilized as he was being taken off, but broke his wrist. Um, Vrabel said today that he may be lost for the season. They're still waiting to hear back as far as the 100%. But obviously we talked about Ben Jones. Jerrell Casey was out yesterday, who was obviously very much missed uh, in the interior defensive line area, but but also Delaney Walker. Um, I feel it's like be- I feel like it's we becoming might have a concern it, to me. Uh, but go ahead. I feel like we might have seen the end of Delaney Walker. To be honest, uh, I feel like as, as far end, as him not coming back or him not being the same player, or- both honestly. Um, I mean, even if he comes back, I just don't see him being as active and like as the same player that we all know and love as Delaney Walker. Unfortunately. Um, I just I just can't see him coming back to full strength, to be honest. Yeah, I I honestly, I mean, I would not be shocked to see him come back. I don't know how severe this ankle thing is because it seems to be a lingering, um, you know, injury for him. But with Ryan Tannehill and for anyone that wants to take this as a shot at Marcus Mario to be my guest, it's, it's completely not, up to we're, you. We're not even going to address a backup quarterback. Yeah, Marcus I mean, we're not Mario talking about him. Backup quarterback. But my and thing all is all with fans, Ryan. All their their fans that are Marcus Marietta fans, you guys need to move on or find a new team to root for. I'm sorry. Like, I'm I'm about to go on a Marcus Marietta rant. It just makes no sense. You guys are, like, people are, like, defending this guy like it's it's their own brother. Like, calm down or move on to another team. Nobody's holding you hostage. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, obviously I've gotten a rap on Twitter to be a Marcus Marietta hater, but that's why I preface what I want to say. If I say something positive about Ryan Tannehill, it's an automatic shot at Marcus. But with that said, um, I don't know what Delaney Walker can be with, with Ryan Tannehill because Tannehill's obviously been a guy. You've seen it with John and Smith. We've seen it with A.J. Brown. He has the ability to throw guys open. And I mean, I'm not talking about leading him into their routes. I'm talking about throwing back shoulders where, you know, on the front side of the, the player, the cornerback or linebacker is covering them up and he throws them to the back shoulder and they adjust mm-hmm. and make a catch. Right, so I mean, if Delaney does come back, I'm not going to be surprised. I don't know again what what the ankle in- injury or issue is, but I won't be shocked to see him come back and have. I mean, obviously, this guy's still, I mean, under contract for what two more years, right? Yeah, two more seasons. Yeah, I mean, so it, it's kind of giddy up or go uh, at 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 this point. Where again, I don't think it's his fault with the injury, but I think I I agree in the sense that a lot of fans are questioning what he can be and what he brings to the table still um, at his age. And he, he's obviously he wants to combat that draft, the tight end. Obviously he's talked about that on busting with the boys, um, but he wants to come back strong. But um, 
a couple other things here I wanted to talk about too. You you mentioned it, but um, or I'm sorry, we, we we I think we talked about it before the podcast, but but looking forward at the rest of the year, obviously the, the toughest part of the season is coming now, and I know a lot of fans are saying tank or or let's get the best draft pick we can get or whatever it is, but obviously this last. Seven weeks, we've got Chiefs, Jags, Colts, Raiders, Texans, Saints, and Texans again um, down there. But what are you thinking? What's your realistic, honest opinion as far as what this this last stretch of the season is going to be like? Honestly, I don't know what to expect. Uh, Due to the fact how inconsistent inconsistent this team has been, um, honestly, I just – I don't know what to expect. We may – we may go – and lose every single game money that's left on our schedule, or we may go five and two for the rest of the year. It's just I don't know what to expect, man. To be honest, yeah. how about yourself? I um, well, I tweeted yesterday that that I they legitimately could could lose out. Absolutely, um, okay. I mean the the two games that catch my eye to make me think that we could win, um, which are probably the games that they'll win in in lose to other other teams or whatever. But the Jaguars with Gardner Minshew, he's obviously kind of been plateauing out and Minshew mania is coming to an end. And the Raiders, I don't know what the Raiders necessarily are, but they don't seem to be built for the long term. They're, they're four and five as well. Right now, ESPN has them favored to win our matchup right now at 55%. Um, but, yeah, it's, it is another bye week's week 11, uh, which we're going into to week 10 now. So if if it's going to happen, I know that the Titans are usually really good off of a bye, which would be the Jaguars game. I, I agree with you; it's a toss up. But my first inkling, I'm not betting my paycheck on it. I'm not. I'm not confident. Um, I give them probably. I mean, a pretty low chance as far as really kind of getting this season back on track. The good news is we're two games back. We're in fourth place in the AFC South. Houston's in first place at six and three. Um, I mean, everyone knows this this season can go very quickly from one of the next as far as a, a drastic, excuse me, drastic change. But at the same time, with the play and the sad thing to me is for this team, the play calling is the math, the biggest issue to me. Um, o line's been terrible. You know, receivers have dropped some balls. All that. Still, in, in my book, play calling and Arthur Smith scheming and, and just overall as, a, as an offensive coordinator has been less than desirable. Um, but let's focus here on this upcoming game this week. We wanted to do um, a Chiefs preview here, obviously. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong here. The Chiefs are not the team that we all expected them to be compared to the seasons past, right? Like, I mean, is that, I is that right to say I that? T- uh, Daddy, you're a thousand percent correct on that. Okay, they are not def- definitely not the team we've seen in the past before, um, but I mean, they still, man, that talent that they have on that squad is crazy. Right. Um, it's a lot into coaching as well because they're a very well coached team yep. uh, with Coach Andy Reid. Um, that yeah, I mean, there's so much speed on that team. I just, I just fear that this Titans team does not have enough speed to be able to compete with that offense. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I know obviously there's, there's pretty good favorable chances as far as Mahomes being back from his, his kneecap dislocation, LaShawn McCoy, um, 
not having great stats this year. I mean, he's got 371 yards rushing uh, compared to Derrick Henry, who has 644. But obviously, Travis Kelsey is a man-child of a tight end, and he has to be accounted for. I still believe that as much as we all love the playoff victory win over Kansas City, if, if Travis Kelsey had played the entire game versus getting knocked out by Jonathan Cyprian, that may have been a different outcome. Um, the only thing in my mind that we have in our favor is to be at home. And even at that, I know some people were tweeting about it today. I think V-Love tweeted out that, that there's probably a, a chance that there's a 70% Chiefs you know, to 30, 30% uh, Titans fan ratio, um, which Shout I Shout out believe. to my guy V-Love, though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, he, he's spot on. I mean, he usually is, but it's one of those things to me. It's like we all we were all there for the Bills game. We saw that. Um, we actually got a guy, a Bills fan, kicked out of our section. <laughs> that was pretty awesome. He was running his mouth, and uh, he's a little intoxicated too. But um, I mean, what are your expectations? Obviously, I think this team is obviously their strongest is passing the ball with 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 Mahomes. But um, are you concerned uh, to go against them without Malcolm Butler? I am highly concerned. Um, first and foremost, I mean, as much as we hated Malcolm Butler at the beginning of the year last year, he was playing light, lights out this season. Yeah. Um, with him going down, that's major. Even though uh, Tyreek Hill has a lot more speed than Malcolm Butler would have had, um, I'm very concerned on that. And the issue is, I mean, Malcolm, uh, it's, it's not just Tyreek Hill that you have to worry about. Daryl Williams out of the backfield, how quick he is. Nico Hardman, um, all those role players that they have, they yeah. have killer speed. And as much as we love Logan Ryan, I I can't see him keeping up with either Tyreek or the other side of Ty- like he can keep up with Sammy Watkins, but Adore is going to have his hands full. Um, when it comes to the whole field. I really do not expect us to have a, any kind of home field advantage on Sunday. <laughs> um, yeah, I agree. 100%. I, I, a thousand percent don't expect. Maybe that. with the tailgate game, we'll be strong. But once the game starts, <laughs> who knows? Yeah, the tailgate. I mean, as long as they're not in our parking lot, let us have a good time at least tailgating. Um, we might yeah. end up losing that game. But I mean, I'm expecting a recap of Philly last year. Maybe even yeah. worse, to be honest. Yeah, just to throw out some stats real quick, I know I talked about the rankings as far as rush defense and, and, and passing defense. Their rushing defense is 29th in the league, um, and currently their passing game, uh, as far I'm sorry, passing defense is 11th overall. So um, here's here's to another week of hoping for a, a big Derrick Henry game that we may or may <laughs> not get depending on play calls, but. Um, Arthur I mean, Smith is going to end up throwing the ball 50 times the way he's been. <laughs> the way he's and I was been. tweeting with somebody this, this week, like, you know, and, and they said that same thing. I think it was Walker Rhodes, who's a Chattanooga guy down here. But, you know, I said if they did throw the ball 50 times a game, I would love it. Obviously, you mentioned that the you know, pass protection and the passing game has been been bad when the running game has been, been solid or at least was against a bad rush defense. But if we cannot – I mean, I fully believe that at halftime – of the Panthers game that somebody probably John uh, Robinson, maybe Steve Underwood called Arthur Smith or text him and said, you run the ball with Henry or pack your bags. Cause it was, I mean, it was what a like seven or eight, maybe 10 straight runs on that third, uh, they, the opening of the third quarter. They literally carried the ball. They ran the ball right down their throats from the start of that first drive to the end of that drive. 
against the Panthers. Yeah. When you have a man-child in the backfield, you feed that man the ball. Like. The defense even in the not- passing game, I mean, he's he's come around and started to cut you off. I mean, he's kept, he caught that screen this week. That I mean, he's screen- not he's not the greatest, but let the guy let the guy work. I'm telling you right now, you do not want to tackle a 250 pound man when he's coming straight at you uh, nope. down in the fourth quarter. You feed this man from the start of the game to the end of the game, and the more he touches, there's a there was a stat I saw. Derrick Henry touches the ball. 20 to 25 times. The Titans are, I believe, like 8 and 2, 10 and 2 in that range. Uh, don't mm-hmm. call me on that, but it's that stat is out there somewhere that the Titans are un- almost unbeatable when Derrick Henry is getting the ball 20, 25 times. Like, yeah, it's just come on, like Arthur, like come on, man, like just do that, like just feed the beast that you have in the backfield. Yeah, um, I, 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 go ahead. Sorry. I, I really, really hope that we do see that. Um, I mean, if it's screenplays, if it's running just down their throat, like, I really hope that 22 is getting fed the ball. Yeah, and I wanted to talk about it, too. I know this defense has been kind of the saving grace for this team this year. They played really well through the first, what, seven games. But to me, the, and correct me if I'm wrong and give me your opinion with it as well, the defense has been very much suspect the last two weeks. Oh, Definitely. Oh, yeah, that's for I, sure. Just and I'm looking lost, right. Go ahead. Sorry. I'm sorry. Just because we lost Darrell Casey yesterday doesn't mean that we can give Christian McCaffrey the ball. Uh, like Christian McCaffrey can just run down our throats. Like right. no, like this this defense has been suspect, and yeah. they're very very vulnerable. Yeah, and, and to me, I mean, it's one of those things. I'm looking at the, the Chiefs. You know, passing rank they're they're six overall, which is probably expected. Their rushing attack is is pretty weak. I mean, it's 24th out of 32 um, right now. I mean, the Titans are at 18 for their rushing attack. Our, our offense is nothing worth writing home to. You know, about excuse me, but um, my biggest concern, and I wanted to get your take on it too, is obviously I, I think Lashawn Sims is going to come in for Malcolm Butler, obviously with a broken wrist. Um, I don't know if they're going to try and run more nickel and have a money, you know, money hooker in and try and play that center field with, you know, a tight end or put Logan Ryan in there. But I mean, I'm I'm not going to lie. I'm still very much confident with what B- Dean Pease and Vrabel can do with the defense Absolutely. on that side of the ball. Um, I wish we had the same confidence on the other side too. But um, but that's something. What are what are you thinking that they can do on the defensive side? Because even this last week, I mean, I think they were just out there so long they got worn down. That's why they, they allowed 30 points this week. But what what can they do against the Chiefs to try and hold them at bay? Um, I mean, I'll say this. I mean, with the coaching staff, with Dean Pease at the helm of that defense, I'm pretty confident that he's going to have a game plan in place um, where that they're going to be able to slow down that Chiefs offense. Especially yeah. if it's Patrick Mahomes coming back off of an injury. I don't expect 100% Patrick mm-hmm. Mahomes being back. But and they're going to probably take him slow if, if he does. I mean, if he's back. Absolutely. He's going to have plays that he's not going to be able to com- complete and uh, be able to, to do. So, I mean, I really feel like they're going to be able to um, to slow that offense down a little bit. But the key part is, is our offense going to be able to keep on the field where our defense is able to catch a break? Because if our defense is on the field and every where our offense is going three and out every other drive or every drive, that puts our defense more on the field than they, than they should be. So right. what that means is 
that defense is going to be suspect and be able to give up those big plays that we all fear. Um, So, I mean, it all goes back to that offense, man. If that offense is able to score on Sunday, defense is going to catch breaks. I'm kind of losing my voice. and that's that's good. good. I'm in the same boat. Yeah, it's like it's not good before Sunday. Um, (laughs) So, it's just like, man, it's – it has me nervous, and I'm kind of fearing that this game might be a shootout. But yeah. my fear is this offense can put up enough points like the freaking Chiefs offense can. But, hey, we've all been surprised by the Titans in the past where one game they look so crappy on offense, and then the next game, like, man, where was this team all season right. long? Right, uh, yeah. So it's just – it would be the most highest thing ever. And then, honestly, how many times have we seen the Titans players come out with more energy when they see their whole field taken over by the opposing team fans? I, I don't know what the formula is to try and get this team to play well, but that probably that, that's probably about 20% of it is that when they play at home. Yeah. And these traveling fans come through. I mean, I don't know what it is. If it's just they like heart, breaking hearts, um, maybe that should be the 2020 slogan for the Titans as, you know, quote, breaking hearts. But – I mean, yeah, to, to me, to be honest, too, one big storyline from this last Sunday was the, the return of Ryan Suckup, <laughs> and he he did not do well, obviously. I think he made one PAT, missed three field goals. Is that right? I mean, he missed three Yeah, he, he missed three field goals, yeah. Um, you I know. mean, we left 11 points on the field this past week. Again, another game where we're saying we left points on the game. Yep, we sure did. So, it's... I mean, that's cost us three games for kickers. I mean, we've, we all know the Colts – uh, we lost by two. Um, Bills game missed what four field goals, and we lost that game. So it's it's an unfortunate thing. That's like you know my brother and I were texting last night, um, but the Buccaneers looked really good yesterday. The Chargers looked really good yesterday and beat the Packers. So he was saying you know it kind of gives him hope for this Sunday because I mean we all want to throw shade at the Titans right now for the the lack of coaching and so on, but I believe the talent on this field. I mean you've got the ability. To, to to play at a high level because the, the teams that we've lost to, with the exception of the Jaguars, I mean, we don't know what the Jaguars are, but the Broncos, uh, I mean, yesterday they looked pretty good. They they won uh, with a backup quarterback. I mean, it's it's an eerie thing how this league is going right now. Um, so many backup quarterbacks, but that, they, they beat yesterday. Um, I mean, it was the Browns, but they still looked efficient enough to beat the Browns. Um, but my point being is the Bills, obviously the Colts, we're losing really tight games to really good teams, and I don't know what the Panthers are either, but we're not getting trounced. Obviously, putting up 30 points at a at a season high is not what you want, but it's still better than most teams can say. It sure is. Um, but, I mean, we'll be, it'll be interesting to see what this Titans team ends up finishing the year with, to be honest. Um, I, I mean, I honestly just hope, like, if we're bad, we just we're bad. Uh, but I will never hope that – I will never wish that our team tanks. Yeah. Um, just not that type of fan to wish my team to lose. Uh, but, I mean, it's just – man, like, just just give me some hope. I mean, it seems like this year is going to be over with and it's not going to be a good year this year for us. But yeah. it's just like, man, give me some hope to look forward to next year. Uh, yeah. It's – it's as like as a season ticket holder – um, why should I renew my tickets next year? You know what I mean? Dude. It's just the hope. Like I'm spending my hard-earned money, hard-earned money, 
to be where I'm at on Sundays. Uh, as much as I love being at Nissan Stadium, that's I'm not going to ever question me renewing my tickets unless something drastically gets bad. It's just why should I be there um, to get more fans in, in the stadium? I mean, I did hear this quote uh, from a friend, um, but I actually want to ask you how do you feel about this? All right. Nashville is a small town Hollywood. That's why our stadium gets taken over by everybody. What do, You're what saying you as far as it just being like the city sells itself? Yeah, an entertainment city. Absolutely. I mean, it, if, if if I'm a, if I'm an opposing team or a fan of an opposing team, I have I have I mean, eighty percent of the reason I would go is non-football related. You know, what exactly. I'm saying? Like, um, and you know, hell, you know that ball. And I mean, come on, like it's it's this town, and and I think some guys maybe the midday we're talking about it too. Um, or no, I, I wanted to give Chad Withrow a, pl- a plug too, just for the sake of his podcast, the chit chat he had Clay Travis on, and they talked about that. You know, as far as people that want to come on Broadway, and obviously Broadway never sleeps, kind of a thing. Um, I, when we were walking into the Bills game, I was walking with a couple, actually a group of of Bills fans because there was a thousand of them, probably <laughs> twenty thousand of them. Um, but he was just saying, man, it takes it. I, I, you know, we had five or six guys come with us from Buffalo. We are from Buffalo, New York. I paid two hundred and seventy-five dollars for you know flight, room, board. Obviously, food is a little bit more than that, but it does not take much to get to Nashville. Cause, I mean, it's not Atlanta; it's on the international airport, but most cities are flying directly to Nashville. Um, Correction: yeah, place, We are we are an international airport. We do have that direct flight from London. Okay, gotcha. Okay, <laughs> Dude, I'm getting old, man. I mean, I'm, I'm in Chattanooga, so I'm flying out of Atlanta for anything international now, but. Um, but yeah, I mean, absolutely, I agree. I think Nashville, and this is the thing too. Like when we were kids, and this is what Chad and Clay Travis were talking about on the Chit Chat podcast. But um, when we were kids, I mean, if you went to an event, it was Memorial Arena to watch Vanderbilt play whoever, you know, or you went to Vanderbilt Stadium to watch a football game as kids. But now you've got the Predators, you've, you've got an incoming MLS team, you got the Titans, and you have a potential MLB team coming in with the Nashville Stars. And I'm thinking. Nowadays, you're just spoiled rotten as a Nashvilleian. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's it's crazy. The infrastructure, all that stuff, you can go on about. But I mean, if you're a fan of an NFL team, tickets are going to be significantly cheaper at Nissan than they are going to be at most big name stadiums. Oh, so absolutely. why the hell not? So I mean, there's a lot of things that there's a lot of things going for other teams to where we're talking. Like you just said, as a season ticket member, why do I want to re- renew my tickets? Um, I have family members that had had PSLs when we were kids, and this team has been so inconsistent for so long that nobody wants to make the thirty minute drive to Nissan, sit for four hours, and watch a crappy team play. You know, so I'm sorry serious. to rant there for a little no, bit, no. but yeah, absolutely, I agree. That, I mean, that's I mean, that's reason. That's the main reason why our stadium usually gets taken over by opposing teams fans. It's just where our city's located. Um, I mean, that's unfortunate, but it is what it is. Yeah, yeah no. I, I wanted to talk about too. Obviously, I don't want to. I don't want to support the idea of us tanking, regardless of we don't know where we're going to end up in the draft. But I had a thought this week, just after this game and everything, with the amount of issues that the team has between offensive line. Yes, quarterback is a need. Edge rusher. You could even still talk about interior defensive line with Jarrell Casey getting older. Um, what do you think about the idea of the Titans taking either a like 
Quentin Nelson, premier off interior offensive lineman in the first round and taking a quarterback in the second round. I love that idea because Be- Roger Saffold should not be on this team next season. I am sorry. Nate Davis is. I mean, I know we've we've texted about it and talked about Nate Davis and who you know our, our debate for everybody listening. Me and Ballin, who would they bench first between Saffold and Nate Davis? And I don't know. Yeah, I don't think either one of us have a hundred percent confidence that you know one's going to be drafted as a third round pick and then the other's going to be or um, excuse me benched as a third round pick and the other one's going to be benched as a what forty four million dollar man. Um, but I mean. If- it, it's not ha- it's not working right now. Uh, if we had a better online coach that would teach him better technique and better systems of how to pass block and run block, we could be t- talking differently about uh, Nate Davis. But Roger Saffold, Roger Saffold should have brought that. I mean, yeah, like I said, we can go all day about this uh, about this topic because <laughs> he, everybody knows how I feel about number seventy six. Um, he can dress like no other, but he can play worth crap. <laughs> no, uh, man. Yeah, he as uh, as as everybody calls it, he does have the drip on Sunday mornings, but when twelve o'clock hits, he's a whole different Roger Saffold. Well, I know a lot of you know a lot of our listeners probably listen to the midday, and they had Keith Keith Bullock on, and he said <laughs> you know all the runway pictures that they're doing on Saturdays or whenever they're flying into these these away games, and they. They can they can show up all swagged out and get their photos taken, and then they go out and play like ass on Sundays. Like I'm over that, man. I, I am too. I, I like to walk into the stadium, and you know when Lawan wore the Neely jersey, and you know guys are 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 decked out like that. I'm completely fine with that. But when they're stopping and making poses, and you know, I mean, I love Donald Page, who's the team photographer, and he is a great follow on all social media platforms. But I'm kind of at the at the the cusp of, of my uh, desire for that. But, but um, to wrap back around to the draft and, and the idea of us going offensive line uh, in the first round, and the defensive line, or excuse me, quarterback in the uh, second round, I think there are two, three, maybe a fourth guy with quarterbacks who are that top tier quarterback with, you know, you got two attack on Viloa, Joe Burrow. I mean, I think Jacob Eason's in that conversation, a lot of guys have us taking Herbert, which some people want to throw out because he's from Oregon as well. Um, but that's one thing I thought about. I don't know how it will unfold, but to me it's one of those things that's worth looking for. But the one person I'm still confident in this team is still John Robinson. You know, and we all know he can he can make some moves on, on a draft day. But, um, but yeah, man, any Let other me, things you want to talk uh, about? Speaking of, speaking of John Robinson, <laughs> give me – what makes you so confident in J. Rob right do I, I have the want, floor? <laughs> yeah, you sure do. It's all you. Okay. I mean, um, and this is something I know we've we've tweeted about and DM'd with each other about, but Clay Travis has been a guy that's been very vocal about his dissatisfaction with the team, with the draft picks. Um, I mean, talking about signing guys. I know some people hate it, and they obviously, between the question mark with Corey Davis, the question mark with, I mean – Jack Conklin, the first round for this guy, obviously Kevin Dodd. And I mean, drafting in the first round is, is very much a hit or miss thing for most GMs. However, the team that is assembled right now on the defensive side of the ball, I believe that eight of the 11 starters before the season began are under contract, at least I believe, and I'm, 
everyone listening, please don't harass me on Twitter for saying this is wrong. But I believe they're they're in under contract till 2023, which gives them the next what three or four years um, together, which is great for continuity and, and so on. But I believe obviously guys like Kevin Byard, who was a, what a third round pick, mm-hmm. or maybe and then Jayon, I think Jayon was a third. No, Jayon was a fifth. Yeah, yeah, fifth round pick. He's hitting on guys in later rounds like those two. Obviously, I think Rashawn Evans is probably one of the best interior linebackers and up-and-comers in the NFL right now. He's been – I mean, for anyone that watches film, I've, I've got a Game Pass login thanks to a friend of ours, but um, he is everywhere the ball is. I think the, the run that McCaffrey had yesterday, he got – he over-pursued over, uh, and got beat, um, but it's Christian McCaffrey. Um, but as far as my confidence in John Robinson, I think yes, he is he is doing his due diligence to bring in the talent for this team. We've all I think every Titans fan, regardless of what they feel about the quarterback or backup quarterback, John Robinson is part of the talent for this team. I think this is a coaching issue with the team, um, just like it was three years ago. Um, I think this very much could be the exact same thing with Malarkey, or excuse me, with Vrabel that it was with Malarkey, if he's willing to cut ties with certain people on this coaching staff or not. I think Vrabel will. I think he'll be more likely to do it because he knows the business and he's not just like a loyalist to his buddies. But, um, I mean, who knows what takes place uh, with players, with, with coaches. But, I mean, John Robinson, and I know Buck Rising talked about it on his you know, AZ primetime, um, I believe it was against the Bucks, and Vrabel's got the reputation now, obviously, of making some questionable calls. But you know, Buck made uh, made reference to how a certain uh, exec, or I guess a certain member of leadership for the Titans, was in the press box with them. Uh, maybe it was an away game, but was basically blue in the face because he was so upset with some of the calls that Mike Vrabel was making. So, if anyone has the idea and 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 the um, the plan, I guess you'd say, I mean, to make things better. I think the ball, I mean, has he not brought in the most talent that this team has had in 10 years? I, I, he, he has brought in a lot of talent. Don't get me wrong, but I'm more confident in him finding defensive talent than offensive talent. Um, because he's in the past, like he's drafted a lot of studs on the defensive side of the ball. Um, but when it comes to the offensive side, it's still a lot of question marks to go around. Sure. Uh, yeah, it's very, still very questionable. Um, so, I mean, even his contracts that he's given out on the offensive side of the ball. Um, but, I cough, mean, cough, Taylor Lewan. <laughs> yeah, number 77, number 76, um, number 33. Uh, but, I mean, it's, it's still, I mean, the jury's still out on uh, J Rob. But he, yeah. this Mike Vrabel is his head coach that he picked out himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I mean, man, it, it, yeah, it's just I don't know. It's I'm the jury. I mean, my confidence level is not as high as it used to be, but I mean, it's still pretty high about J Rob. But I mean, give me a, give me a number like you're fifty percent confident, you're seventy, or hundred. I'm about sixty percent right now. Okay. I'm at 60 with J-Rob. It's just, we got to see, we got to see some kind of change on the offensive side, man. We got to see it. Yeah. We, we get, I mean, this next year, we're going to see who he drafts that quarterback or he who he signs in free agency as his quarterback. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, but I mean, we got to, we got to see something change, man. It's, 
It's you know you know who we could have honestly had. We could have had Frank uh, Reek of what's his name? Frank Reek, right? Frank Reich. Yeah, yeah Frank from the Colts, man. Look how great of a head coach he is. Uh, just, I mean, I, he's, I don't he's like better to play than, like the. He's the, better than the guy we have, to be honest. I mean, I think it's a. I think he is. He, he was. This is no kind of take. This is just the fan side of me talking. Uh, no, I so know. Please don't take it any. Yeah, no, no, I, I just don't like playing the what you know, what ifs, and I wish we had this guy. I wish we had Bill Belichick, you know, that kind of thing. Absolutely. Um, I know De Filippo is in Jacksonville. We had an opportunity to get him. Um, obviously Matt Lafleur is doing pretty damn, pretty damn good in Green Bay, but obviously he has a Hall of Fame quarterback at the helm there. Um, so I think the biggest question mark for me right now is the entire offensive staff. And um, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But, man, we're getting close to our hour, Mark. I, I, I want to go ahead and wrap this thing up. Um, for everybody listening, make sure and follow uh, Chat10Sports on Twitter. You can find me um, on, on every platform at T-R-E-S-W-I-N-N. Uh, Ball, and tell the folks where they can find you, good sir. Uh, you can follow me at StillBallin on Twitter at StillBallin. <laughs> Yeah, we'll have links to our, our profiles in the description on the podcast feed that you're listening to, so make sure and check us out there. But in case you're new to us, check us out at chat10sports.com as well. Make sure and get on and follow us everywhere you can. Make sure and be a part of the community with us. We'll be up this weekend uh, for the Chiefs game at Nissan Stadium, so make sure in case you see us, come say hey, come say what's up. Well, and I'll probably come back to the, the D spot this week. I know we were hit or miss last week. I was feeling like death, but I want to make sure – have, some, have a little bit of fun. Um, come, come to the D spot and bring your A game and the flip cup table, man. I want to see yeah. your I want to see your flip cup skills. Well, I, I know V Love's been kind of anti some of these Mariota folks, so I want to make sure to uh, no, no, pledge, I, pledge my allegiance to the anti Mariota <laughs> establishment. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know how that goes. Yeah. Uh, and, no. and also, you never know what could happen at the D spot. Last. Uh, Bills game, I slammed a Bills fan through a table. Chargers game, I threw a Chargers fan in the trash can. Bond's um, getting game. off on like assaulting people with tables and garbage cans. And uh, I did the Haka, the last home game, and this next home game, Cheese fans, just don't be near me before kickoff. And you'll <laughs> you be might have to work on your Haka, homeboy. I'm, I mean, I've got some <laughs> some friends from New Zealand who are. Who uh, I don't I won't say what they, they weren't happy with it, but they were they were uh, not giving you ten out of ten. So I'm the I really. <laughs> uh, hey, we'll bring we'll bring a better game next. Year, this, we'll um, make Sunday. sure it, it's a better haka for all those. By the way, <laughs> shout out to uh, South Africa rugby; they just won the World Cup for them. But yeah, let's wrap Absolutely. this sucker up. All right, everybody. Man. Thanks a lot for listening, everybody. Have a great rest of your week and go Titans. Tighten up. <laughs>